29th. A date so rare that we only get we get it once every four years. Uh, we want to thank everybody for listening today, and let's go ahead ride out the jump and thank our sponsors, the Blue Boot Foundation. Boy, they were in the house today, and Gavin Dugau was shaking hands and rubbing elbows with all of our radio team. Can we thank them so much for their support? Golden Motors, where price is priority, located on Highway 3235 and Cutoff, Grand Design, and Adams Land and Property Management. We thank them all so much for their support of what we're doing here on Play by Play. And we've got a very busy show today. In the next segment of the show, we're going to go to maybe the coach of the hottest local baseball team in the area right now. Coach Mike Barba of the South Terrebonne Gators will be joining us at 1145. Then we go to, at noon, maybe the coach of the hottest softball team in our area right now. That'd be Coach Christy Crowdis at Homa Christian School. Her team got a run rule win over HL Bourgeois yesterday. And how about this? Their eighth grade pitcher... Not a uh, not me misspeaking. Their eighth grade pitcher Riley Lovell pitched a perfect game yesterday in the circle, and oh yeah, she hit a home run yesterday as well. Just in the eighth grade, Homa Christian School continues to roll. We we'll have Coach Crowdis on at noon. Stan Gravois will be joining us at twelve fifteen to chat about who knows what we're going to get into with Stan. I'm sure we'll talk some Van the Build, and I'm sure we'll talk about all sorts of different things that have happened in the local world of sports. We open up with today's baseball, or yesterday's baseball schedule. It was a light schedule. There were not a whole lot of games locally yesterday. Um, and it's it's predictable, right? Because a lot of teams are saving their acorns for this weekend when they're going to be playing several games at tournaments around the state or three-game series, whatever it may be. Hanville gets a 65, 65, a 6-5 win over East Ascension. I said that wrong. A 6-5 to five win over East Ascension. Hanville gets a win. H.L. Bourgeois gets a 15-2 win over St. James, a good win for uh, Coach Smith and his team there going on the road and getting a win. Central Catholic of Morgan City puts it on Ellender 10-0. So Central Catholic gets a win over Ellender. Uh, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, Our local scoreboard was light yesterday, so now we could go to the softball side really quick and get you some softball. And then there's something that I'd like to talk about also in this opening segment. It was something that we touched on yesterday, but we didn't get to dive too deeply into it. Um, our softball scores from yesterday, if we take a look at the local scoreboard, we got some teams that are really playing at a high level in the early stages of the season. Uh, and we go and we could tell you that Homa Christian beat HL Bourgeois 15 to nothing. We told you about Lovell having a perfect game on the mound. Uh, it's crazy to think, man. She led them to Sulphur as a seventh grader. Um, it's crazy to think how bright her future is. She's going to be recruited by everybody by the time she is uh, approaching the end of her career there. 15 to nothing win over HL Bourgeois. Thibodeau falls 14 to nine against Fisher. The Lady Tigers go on the road and struggle and lose to Fisher yesterday. These are softball scores um, after the baseball scoreboard. Let's see. We had in 4A, none of our local teams played. In 3A, Donaldsonville falls 18 to 2 to Broadmoor. So a tough one for Donaldsonville. Uh, Centerville defeats Patterson 7 to 6. We told you about Homa Christian. We go to single A, no score. So it was a light day yesterday uh, on the baseball and softball diamonds. And today we've got uh, tournaments that are starting and everybody will be rocking and rolling. But one of the things that I wanted to talk about a little bit in this segment is because we mentioned it yesterday. We asked BJ about it yesterday, but we didn't get a whole lot of you know details and information and all that good stuff. Uh, so we'll do that right now. Yesterday, BJ confirmed to us 
that Jeremy Wilson will be South Lafouche's new defensive coordinator, replacing Coach Bryce Gidry, who got a job in the private sector and will no longer be with the school. Uh, had a little bit of an opportunity to get to know Coach Jeremy Wilson today. Um, fairly young guy. He, he's going to be around BJ's age. What BJ's what in his young thirties, thirty three, thirty four, something like that. Uh, maybe a little younger. Um, Jeremy Wilson is played with BJ at Southeastern. He has spent the last uh, handful of seasons coaching around the state of Louisiana. He was telling me today that he's spent some time at LaRanger, Hammond, and then most recently at Independence. He has eight years of coaching experience after a five-year playing career with Southeastern. And he was telling me that he wants the Tarpon defense to continue to be physical and continue to be very fundamentally sound. And he is going to. Now, this is the thing that I think is going to catch most people's attention. South Foosh was a four-man front last year. He wants to switch to an odd front. So they're going to be looking to play a little 3-4, maybe a little 3-3-5. Um, with multiple blitz packages. So we'll see. You know, it's easy to say what you want to do. It's another thing to actually carry it out. But I got a chance to talk to Coach Jeremy Wilson today. Seems like a good dude. Welcome to the Tarpon family. We'll have him on the radio soon in the next week or so. Um, can't wait to see what type of work he does with that South Lafouche defense. And, and the thing is, he's bringing some college playing experience with him uh, where he's been through that grind. So uh, I think that's going to help the Tarpon defense and uh, we'll see. Uh, everybody's going to be pumped up and excited uh, when a new guy comes in, especially with some playing experience and things. So uh, we'll see. Hopefully he can get his message across to the, to the young man, and hopefully it's a, it's a good fit for the Tarpons. Yeah, I think so. I think that he's going to fit in well, and I think that his previous relationship with BJ is certainly going to help. Uh, now, look, it is what it is, bro. Uh, BJ was open about it yesterday. Their returnees, by and large, are on the offensive side. They're replacing a lot on the defensive side, so they're going to have some new faces in some new places, um, but they'll have an opportunity, I'm sure, to, to continue to build, and, and I'm sure they'll put a good defense out there. Uh, very quickly, want to get to this. We don't talk about high school golf a whole lot, but on Tuesday, got to give some attaboys, the South Lafouche High School golf team won their home match at Tidelands Country Club, shooting a team score of 181, five strokes better than Hanvo, who finished second with a 186 team score. Jude LaBeouf won the individual competition, shooting a two-over par 38 for his nine holes. One shot better than Ori Whitney of Hanville, who shot a 39. Also want to give a shout-out to South Lafouche's buddy Fonseca, who shot a 44 and finished fourth in the team competition. And then also a shout-out to Rustin Guidry of South Lafouche, who shot a 48. Camden Bro, who shot a 51. And Greg Semino, who shot a 53. So good golf for the Tarpons. Um... You win your home match, uh, defend your home course, and uh, continue to play well, man. Anytime you can line up with South Lafouche, Hanville, Thibodeau, Homa Christian, and you come out first, it's always a good thing. Kudos to BJ and the team. Kudos to Jude for winning an individual trophy. At the previous match that the Tarpons competed at at Cypress Lakes, Jude also won the individual championship, shooting a 37. Um, so continuing the roll. Good start for Tarpon golf. Yeah, it's a good start. Hopefully they can keep uh... – Hitting them far, hitting them straight. That's something that I can't do either. <laughs> hit uh, I can't hit straight. it. So <laughs> Let's go ahead and look at the girls' basketball top 28 and some of the semifinal games that have already gone on. Um, we were supposed to be out there. You guys know why we weren't. But today we've got Walker and Parkway in Division One non-selected 615. Walker is the best team in the state of Louisiana on paper, but they're taking on the defending champions Parkway in the semifinals. 
We got Mandeville taking on Denham Springs tonight at 8 o'clock. So the Division I non-select games are the nightcap tonight. Division II non-select, we've got Wasman going to the finals to take on South Beauregard. That's a one-versus-two matchup. Wasman yesterday defeated Albany 51-36. South Beauregard defeated Church Point 60-39. So in Division II non-select, we've got our two teams competing for the title. Division Three non-select, we've got our two teams competing for the title. It's again number one versus number two. Rose Pine, the one seed, gets a 55-48 win yesterday over Westlake. They moved to the championship game to take on Amit, who beat Doyle 52-44. to So that is the Division Three non-select state championship, Rose Pine versus Amit. Division Four non-select, we've got number one versus number two in the championship. Number one, Arcadia defeated Lakeview 60-29. to They moved to the championship to take on number two, Oakdale, who defeated White Castle 57-50. So number one versus number two tomorrow over at University Center in Division 4 non-select. Division 5 non-select. Guess what? Number one versus number two in the finals. Number one, Hicks, gets a 51-45 win over Midland. They'll take on number two, Fairview, who defeated Anacoco 81-70. And those two teams will play tomorrow in the nightcap at 8 o'clock over at University Center. We go to the private schools, select schools, whatever you want to call it, brackets. Today, we've got semifinal matchups. Number one, Huntington will be taking on number five, Woodlaw on a Baton Rouge. And then in the game that I think is probably the game of the day, number two, John Curtis taking on number three, Liberty. Both of those teams are really, really good. Let's see if they played one another yet this year. Um, they have not. So it'll be their first meeting against one another. Curtis and Liberty at 430 today at Hammond. The winner meets the winner between Huntington and Woodlaw on a Baton Rouge. Division two select, we know one team that's in the state championship game. That's Madison Prep. They didn't have to earn it on the floor because of the Vanderbilt forfeiture. That game was scheduled for yesterday. Madison Prep moves on. They'll find out their opponent today at 245 as Lafayette Christian takes on Bunky. Madison, uh, Madison Prep. Lafayette Christian is going to be heavily favored to win the championship there in that bracket. Vanderbilt was the only team that sort of had high hopes of knocking them off. But with them out of the bracket, it's looking pretty likely that Lafayette Christian may cut down the nets. Division three select. We know our championship teams. It's not one versus two. It's number four versus number two. Because University Lab, the number four seed, got a 50-42 to 42 win over St. Thomas Aquinas. That was earlier in the week. Now they'll take on Parkview in the finals, who beat Holy Savior Menard 65-46. to 46. So we've got ULab and Parkview in a Baton Rouge showdown. That game will be played tomorrow at 6 o'clock. Division four select. We've got Southern Lab. Coach Chaney, my partner, Coach Chaney from LSU. They go to the finals with a 54 to 23 win over Sacred Heart. Coach Chaney's team will be taking on Northwood of Lena, who defeated Hamilton Christian 48 to 41. That's a one versus two matchup. Division five select the last top 28 girls bracket. We know the two teams in the final. It's number one versus number two. Number one, Oak Hill gets a 79 to 46 win over Plainview in the semis. They'll take on Clark who defeated Family Christian 50-36. to 36. Bro, we could talk bad about the power rankings all we want. Every single bracket pretty much is number one versus number two, so the math got to be doing something right. Crazy to see, man. We've had so many, um, so little upsets. I think it's just one or two brackets of the 10 where it's not the number one team facing the number two team in the championship. Yeah, I mean, look, people complain about it all year, but then – in the playoffs, it seems somehow to work itself out, whether it's one versus two or uh, very good games. That those so, will be going yeah, I, on. I think it's working. The last semifinals are today. Then we start the championship rounds Friday and Saturday. That's at the University Center 
at Hammond. Let's catch a break. When we get back, Coach Mike Barba of the South Terrebonne baseball team will join us. The Gators are red hot and are playing extremely well. We'll chat with him about that fast start. It's play-by-play. We'll be right back after this. Grand Design Cabinetry and Furniture, your local source for tailored home solutions. With over 30 years in the cabinet industry on our team, we're excited to announce our storefront opening at 13348 Highway 1 in La Rose, coming soon. At Grand Design, we're not just about cabinets, we're about... Henry LaFont Jr., number 72, paid for by Henry LaFont Jr., Nothing like building some early season momentum and getting off to a strong start to the year. And the coach that we have on in this segment is Coach Mike Barber with the South Terrebonne Gators. And his team is playing really well to open up the season and are currently sitting at, let's see, let's count the wins. They're sitting at 6-0 and to start the year. Coach, good morning, buddy. How are we doing today? Hey, man. Uh, you know, trying to get ahead of this weather right now. Yeah, for sure, man. Sure. T- tell us y'all weekend plans. Are y'all going to play a tournament somewhere? What's going on with y'all this weekend? Yeah, so we're in the uh, Pat Parra tournament over at Vanderbilt, and uh, we've already had some things shuffle around. We were supposed to play uh, at Cent- at Vanderbilt against Central Private, but that, that now got moved home. So uh, we're going to try to get the field ready, and uh, we're going to take those guys on at 3.30. Okay, so 3.30 your place today, take on Central Private? Yes, yeah, it got moved from Vanderbilt to here, and uh, – we're supposed to play CCA uh, tomorrow at home, but that has gotten moved to uh, April because of the weather tomorrow. And then I think Saturday's still on schedule. We got Central Lafouche. So we're going to get tested again this weekend, and uh, we'll see how we respond. There you go, bro. It's been a great start to the year for your club, uh, unblemished in six games. What are some things that the boys are doing well right now that's allowed you guys to get off to that strong start? Yeah, I think their energy uh, has, has carried us so far. Uh, now, we've been talking since August uh, about a variety of things, uh, but one of the things was, you know, trying to be the most disciplined team on the field uh, and trying to do the little things within the game that give us a chance to win in the sixth and seventh. And uh, so far, we've been rolling with the punches fairly well. We've fallen behind and come back. We've taken the lead early and held it. And, you know, we'll just see. The ball's been bouncing our way, but uh, we've been putting ourselves in a position for it to bounce our way, which is good to see. Coach, you've been talking to us throughout the off season, and you said, hey, look, man, I like my arms. It's kids that I think could, could do it, but until we see it under the lights, you know, we're going to always have that little seed of, of, of doubt. You're pitching it really well, man. You've only allowed more than five runs in a game once this year against Pineville. So far, your arms are keeping offenses in check, man. Yeah, that's a, that's been a pleasant surprise. Um, we we again we knew we had some uh, potential there, uh, but we wanted to see how they would do in in, in big game situations, and, and they've responded. Uh, you know, we still have some some you know questions to be answered, but you know, guys like man Grant Bowen has really come out of nowhere and gave us two really good midweek starts uh, against. Uh, Katiana, we threw Drake Petillier from behind the plate on the mound, and and he was very impressive. So, you know, we're just trying to make sure we we were building this consistency with these guys, and, and hopefully they develop in confidence along the way. 
Tell me about that. I saw Dettelier's uh, pitching this week, and I saw, you know, the, the, the mom put some photos of him on the mound. Talk about that. You know, it's got to be a juggling act because, yeah, I mean, if he's one of your best arms, you want to use him out there. But, man, when he's on the mound, he's not behind the plate, and he's a great, great catcher. I'm sure that that goes into some of those decisions when you're trying to use him or not use him as well. Yeah, absolutely. You nailed it on the head. As uh, important he is to us behind the plate, uh, if, if he can give us a few innings on the mound, that's going to be uh, crucial along the way. You know, he's a big kid, throws hard. He, we, it's something we experimented with last year, um, but we just we didn't feel confident uh, taking him out from behind the plate. But this year, uh, Parker Nelton has, has really stepped up, and, uh, you know, we, we feel confident throwing him behind the plate when Drake is on the mound. So, you know, it, we, we threw a couple innings out there against Acadiana, and it worked out well, so – you know, something we're going to dabble with going forward. Coach, you know, the, the big talk in the preseason was, oh, you know, we've got a pitch clock now and they're going to make you get on and off the field quickly between innings. And I remember at media day, a lot of the coaches were a little nervous, like, hey, we don't know how this is going to be executed. I got to tell you, I've been to two or three games. You don't even notice it. Has it been the same for right. you guys? Yeah, absolutely, man. You don't – I think the umpires are doing a good job with it. And, you know, they, they have uh, – these expectations in place on their end, but they're also being realistic with it. Um, I, I don't think we ever had a time problem in high school baseball to start out with. So I don't know where this rule came from. I guess they're trying to morph it more into the college game. Um, but, you know, it, the kids are doing fine with it. We, you know, when you, when you come across teams like you got in this area, I mean, they're moving guys on and off the field regardless of if there's a clock or not. So I think we're, you don't even notice it. I know coaches are never fully satisfied. Despite the 6-0 and start, what are some things you guys got to do better in the next couple of weeks? Yeah, uh, you know, we, we've talked about this as a team. The amount of things we're doing well right now uh, is, is, is good. We want to maintain those. But there are also some things that are unsustainable. And, uh, you know, it's just making sure we're getting ahead of hitters, I think, is one of our biggest things uh, right now. Uh, I think just thinking back on the last couple games, uh, there's been one game where we've really hit our number, where we want to be when we're trying to get ahead of hitters on those first pitch strikes. So, um, you know, it's one of those things, um, you know, trying to develop consistency and in in throughout the lineup uh, and, and moving the baseball around when you need to move it around. So, uh, you know, there's some things that are unsustainable that we're doing, but there's some things that we're doing really well right now, too. And the guys know it, and the guys are working at picking those things up. So we'll see. We'll see how we do going forward. Coach, about a month ago, we, Brian and I were told here on the show that we should find out what division every school is going to be in. And at the time, this was a month ago, we were told, like on a Wednesday, oh, yeah, by Friday you guys should expect those numbers. Well, Three or four Fridays have passed since then, and we still do not have access to those numbers. Um, brother, uh, I, we think y'all will be in Division Two going forward, but don't know for sure. And, like, why aren't they telling us where you guys are? Like, I don't understand what's the delay. Man, I, I have no idea what the big secret is all about. Um, I, don't, I, I, I can't, I can't, I don't have any words. I really don't have any words. It's, like every now and then, it'll pop into the back of my mind. Like, man, we we still don't know. And then I'm start thinking about like, why why would we not know? Like, what are they trying to do? And I I don't have an answer. Uh, I don't even make one up. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, I do know that 
whatever number we were in when they brought it out uh, in you know October November time frame. Um, we were projected to move to Division One. Uh, so, I mean Division Two because uh, there was two schools that jumped us in enrollment um, based on those numbers that they had. So, I don't know. I'm speechless about it. <laughs> Coach, do you know y'all actual uh, enrollment at South Terrebonne? Uh, in the November time, it was 920, 920-ish, low 920s. Now, today, it's 882. Ooh, man, wow. still losing kids. That's crazy, man. Um, yep. Look, big tournament this weekend. The schedule's been shuffled around a little bit. What are some things the Gators are hoping to, to do well on the field to try to keep that win streak going? Well, I'm going to tell you today, overcome the elements. Uh, not that it's bad. You know, it's not rainy. It's not any of that stuff. It's dry. Um, but it's windy and it's cold, and it's and we haven't had anything like that in a while. Um, so, you know, even trying to practice in it and get used to the the way you grip the baseball and, and all this other stuff, uh, it, it's a little different. It's a little drier. So, you know, today's going to be a challenge in itself, but it's going to be a challenge for both teams. Um, so we'll see. You know, just go have a good mentality. And I told our guys every day that uh, consistency is one of the hardest things you'll do throughout life. And that's what we're stuck in right now is just making sure that we are as consistent as possible to put ourselves in a position to succeed. And that's all I can ask from them. There you go. Coach, thanks so much for the time. Keep up the good work and stay hot, brother. All right, man. Appreciate it. We're definitely going to try. Yep. That is Coach Mike Barber with South Terrebonne Baseball doing a wonderful job. His team is 6-0 and to start the year. Uh, they're taking on, I believe he said, Central Private today, 3-30 at their place. The Pat Parra schedule has been jumbled up a little bit as they're trying to get the all the games in, knowing that tomorrow might be a wash. Uh, so 3-30 today at South Terrebonne. The Gators look to stay undefeated. And, man, look, it's very simple. It was, they are swinging the bats well. They've scored a bunch of runs. But it's very simple. If you don't let the other team score, you're going to win more times than not. And they have, let's see, in six games, they've allowed three, 11, 15, 17, 22 runs in six games. That ain't too shabby. And then looking at adjusting to the weather, that's a great point because it, it's uh, cloudy, cold, and windy out there today compared to what it was yesterday. So, uh if you got to be playing games in the next few days, you're going to have to adjust to the, to the weather. That's uh, That could be a factor in these games. Look, I don't know if you watched this last night, but I watched LSU and Rice, and they were playing out in Houston, and neither team could catch a fly ball. The wind's blowing 30 miles an hour, playing tricks. It's several errors, and those are college outfielders, much less high school outfielders. I think it would be a day where, uh, as a pitcher, you want to induce some ground balls, and you want to keep yeah. that ball out of the wind as much as you can because it's going to be a very difficult day to, to field fly balls for sure. And when he said uh, their enrollment, they're, um, I think they're going to be Division Two when it's all said and done. Yep, I agree. I think they're going to be Division Two, and, and they should be. That's, I mean, you don't even have well, 900 kids. Yeah, you don't even have 900 kids. You shouldn't be in that. Yeah, no doubt. Um, let's go ahead and do this. Let's catch a quick break when we get back. We're going to have Coach Christy Crowdis of Homa Christian School joining us. Her ladies are off to a really strong start to the season and got a lopsided win yesterday over HL Bourgeois. We'll talk to her out of the break. It's play-by-play. -play. We'll be right back after this. News alert from Golden Motors. 2.9% APR financing for 72 months on all 2023 and 2024 15 Silverado models for qualifying customers through GM Financial. These great deals are good through March 4th on all 2023 and 2024 1500 Silverado models. 
Golden Motors, Highway 3235, on the back road and cutoff. Chevy, let's drive together. Price is priority. Not compatible with any other incentives. When it comes to a stroke, every second counts. That's why Thibodeau Regional Health System is proud to be the only primary stroke center designated by the Joint Commission in a seven-parish area. Our advanced stroke certification means more than just a title. It means life Welcome back to Play by Play. We thank Coach Mike Barber for his time in the last segment of the show. And now we talk some softball in this segment of the show where we have Coach Crowders of Homa Christian School on the line. Coach, good morning. How are we doing today? Good morning. I'm doing well. Thank you. Wonderful. Happy to hear it. Your team is 5-1. and one. And, Coach, the, the thing that stands out to me the most, you all have scored 84 runs in six games. Your team is swinging it with some red-hot bats right now. Your offense is amazing. Uh, I didn't even realize that that many runs have been scored, so that's great to hear. Um, yes, the girls are swinging the bat well. They've been working very hard and buying into our hitting philosophy. So it, it's great to see um, them have success. And what's most exciting is that it's across the team. The older ones are hitting the ball well as well as the younger girls. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, talk about that that length of your lineup. You had three young ladies hit home runs yesterday. It feels like, and I mean, you know this, to score 84 runs in six games, it's got to be a, a, a lineup that top to bottom is performing. Talk about that. That's got to make you awfully proud. Yes, makes me very proud. And it also, it's just um, great to know that at any time, anyone in the lineup can come through at the plate for us, as well as people that are on the bench. There's a few that we know that we can put in the game and can have um, an immediate impact for our team. In the circle, Coach, you all have uh, just a, an unbelievably gifted pitcher, and, and she's only in the eighth grade and in Briley level. She throws a perfect game yesterday. I remember last year going to some of y'all late season games and playoff games, and I didn't even believe them when they said she was in the seventh grade, but she's so poised. Now, you know, seeing her as an eighth grader, it looks like she's gotten a little stronger and, and, and maybe throwing a little harder. A perfect game is, a, is an unbelievable accomplishment. Um, that's awesome stuff, and to think that she's like, what, 13, 14 years old makes it even more incredible. You're right. I believe Bri just recently turned 14. Um, I could be wrong on that, but, yes, she is very young, but she definitely does not act her age. She's a mature eighth grader, um, just has very strong work ethic, and uh, she actually started the season off not at throwing her best. Um, she's had, you know, some some issues pitching-wise, but we're working through that. She's buying in, and it was great to see her have that success yesterday um, changed a couple things up, and she threw the ball very well yesterday. Coach, you told us at Terrebonne General Media Day, you said, hey, look, we, we scheduled a little harder this year. Uh, we want to make sure that we're more challenged whenever it gets to the back end of the year. Uh, you, you played Hanville and Assumption and some 4A and some 5A schools, and so far so good with the 5-1 and one start. Talk about that, that challenge of, of you know beefing up that schedule a little bit and getting your team more battle-tested. Well, the goal for us this year was to face tougher pitching throughout our season. 
instead of wait until the end when we're in playoff to face stronger pitching. And so, so far, I think that it's helping because we are seeing, we have seen some stronger pitching from the beginning. And I just think that in the end, it's just going to make us that much better of a, a hitting team. Yeah, no doubt about that. When, when do you guys take the field next? Are you at a tournament this weekend? And if so, who are y'all going to be going up against? Yes, we are. We're playing in the South Louisiana Challenge in Youngsville and Broussard. So we will be facing Holden, Lafayette, and Washita Christian. There you go. Some big challenges for the team. What are some things you guys got to uh, gotta do well to have a successful weekend? I believe we just have to stick to our game plan. We have to put, play uh, clean defense. have to pitch well. And, you know, hopefully the bats stay on fire and we get those big hits when we need them. Coach, look, you make it to Sulphur last season, and that comes with, with some challenges. I mean, you're not going to sneak up on anybody now coming off of that. You're going to get everybody's best effort. Did you address that with the team before the year? Of like, hey, we, we've got to be ready to go because no one's going to take you all lightly and you're going to have to earn everything that you get based on the success that you all have had over the years. Well, one thing that we've talked about is that you have to control what you can control. A lot of times things happen in the game, you know, wins and losses come and go. And sometimes it can just it can be a call that doesn't go your way that you either come out on the winning end or you come out on the losing end. You know, um, just things have to fall into place. So what we try to, you know, preach to the girls is to do the little things well. And if you continue to do the little things well, then you will have success. Because if you stay focused on we've got to make it back to state, then they start to play tense. Um, They start to feel that pressure. And so we're trying to avoid having that pressure and just going out there, working hard, trust in your ability, trust the game plan, and um, just enjoy the game. Coach, I'm looking at some of your statistics online right now. Tell me about Haley Henry. I mean, according to what I'm seeing on Max Pro's batting 579, already three home runs, already 16 RBI. Uh, and is a, a brick wall behind the plate for you all. That's just such a weapon. I remember watching her when she's in ninth or tenth grade and thinking, "Oh my goodness, she's a ball player." Now in her senior season, just continuing to do amazing things. It's great to see Haley have the success that she has. It's no surprise to me because she's just always been such a hard worker. Um, her mentality, she's just, you know, she keeps her emotions in check doesn't have real high highs or real low lows. She just stays on that middle ground. Um, But we knew Haley had talent when she was in seventh grade. And so she has just continued to get better and better each year. And uh, I have no doubt she's going to make an impact in college. And I think we'll, we'll see her on a D1 team after she finishes up her two years at um, the junior college that she's going to. Look, one thing that's really neat, and, and I think it's a great sign for the sport, is like softball around the state is doing really well. I mean, LSU's off to a great start. Nichols is off to a great start. The Raging Cajuns are always solid. Like, I know that's got to be exciting for the softball fan and you to see that, hey, yeah, the high school level's booming, but it's spilling over to the college level as well. We've got a lot of teams within a couple of hours that are, that are playing really well. Yes, it's great to see. I mean, softball's definitely my favorite sport. Um, I think it's just a great game and 
great to see the local college teams doing well. And I, I tell my players all the time that turn on the TV, watch a game, not just for the entertainment, but you can learn so much from watching those college games and, you know, try to emulate some of that in their own play on the field in high school. How great is it? Because y'all have been having it for about a year or so now. How great is it to have a field to call y'all on? I know y'all are super proud of y'all place out there. Visited it several times last year. Beautiful facility. That's got to just be something that, as a coach, makes your life a whole lot easier. Definitely makes my life easier um, just in the sense of, you know, you have your, your own place. You have your own place to store your equipment. Um, it just builds a sense of pride amongst the girls, a place to call their own. It's beautiful out there. It's peaceful out there. Uh, you know, and I just have to give Chuck Pataglia and, uh, you know, just he's done a great job. He and Bobby Arsenault are out there. They do a lot of work out there on the field, and it's because of them that it's, it's as pretty as it is. Yeah, no doubt. Very well said. Coach, how many seniors do you have on this year's crew? I have four seniors. Okay. And the great thing about that is all four of those girls have um, committed to play at the next level. And that's, I've never had that before where I've had four seniors that I know is going to go on and play at the next level. That, that's amazing. Coach, we thank you so much for the time. Congratulations on the strong start. And uh, we'll see you soon. I'm going to go out to one of y'all games very soon. Thanks so much. We'd love to have you. Yep, that is Coach Crowder with Homo Christian School doing a wonderful job. How about that stat? Four seniors and every single one of them is a college signee. Uh, that'll tell you that they're probably pretty good. Uh, and they're off their really strong start to the season. Uh, they've only lost that one game. And in six games, they've got 84 runs. Haley Henry's hitting home runs. And I just can't get over the fact that their starting pitcher, their ace in the circle, is a 14-year-old eighth grader in Briley Level, who Oyak had also hit. She hit a home run yesterday. Just unbelievable talent for a team that has a little bit of a mix of young and old. And Coach Crowdis is an outstanding coach. Homa Christian School softball is good every single year. And, yeah, we could say, oh, they got great players, but they also have a wonderful coach that is fostering the development of those great players. Uh, they've got it rolling out there on Val High. I say Val High. They don't play off Val High. They play on 311, but still. And looking at their schedule, they start district next Wednesday, and they play one district game a week. They only got four district games Uh I wonder if that was by design by a district just to play one game a week because I know some districts have two game, two district ga- games in a week. They only have one a week. That is I just, I, I don't. That, yeah, you don't see that very often. I know they'll, they'll be heavily favored to, to take the district. Um, but, yeah, that is, that's a great point. And, and the fact that they're already close to that just goes to show how much the seasons fly by. Um, but they're going to be one of the teams there at the end. They made it to Sulphur last year. Vanderbilt made it to Sulphur last year. Vanderbilt didn't have very much turnover. And then another team to look out for, man, on the softball side, the E.D. White Cardinals are good, man. They are also 6-1. and one. And earlier this week, they got a 4 to nothing win against Vanderbilt. If you're pitching against Vanderbilt and are not allowing a run, um, you've got something going on in the circle there. So we've got some softball teams locally who are capable of doing some big things. And we wish them all nothing but the best as we go throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, and uh, just the pitching on the softball. Would you would you get in a batter's box? I wouldn't. I, I've done it before. So when I was at LSU, I did a thing. I was working at the student newspaper, and I did a thing where I competed against 
all of the student athletes at different sports. So like I went and I was the goalie and did penalty kicks against the soccer players. And, you know, I went and I tried to hit a 90 mile an hour fastball and I tried to hit a soft. The hardest one was trying to hit the softball. Um, they're so close to you. Um, you're just, I hate to say guessing, because I know there's more skill to it than that, but you're just hand-eye coordination, throwing the bat at it and hoping you connect. <laughs> uh, that That's basically the way I could say it. That and kicking field goals were the two hardest things I had to do during that challenge. Those guys that make 50, 60-yard field goals, how the hell do you do that? But, yeah, those were the two by far that were the most difficult. Yeah, you think kicking a field goal is easy, and you see a lot of people. It, it, it's tough to do. I, you got to have a skill. Look, I could if I practiced it enough, I could probably make like a 25, 30-yard field goal. But the problem is, is I would kick a line drive. How do they get the ball to go so high and not get blocked and also go so far? It's an art, man. It's, it's unbelievable the skill those guys have. And I, I just wish we had Turtle one today again because I'm sure he would get in a batter's box and Oh, he's already hit a couple of Take home runs. Take about four or five of them out. Yeah, he, look, he uh, rumor has it that he has already hit a home run off of level. Um, he went to a home of Christian practice and <laughs> yeah. hit one out against the eighth grader. So, yeah, I, I I wouldn't be surprised to hear it. We'll get him to tell that story one day. We'll, we'll travel to the area with Turtle and just different challenges. you got these food challenges. <laughs> yeah. We'll get, He'll be up to it. I guarantee you he, he would be up to it. All right, so let's get him to do the Oklahoma drill with Kate Nelson. Uh, he would probably pass <laughs> on that. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't want to be doing any Oklahoma drills with Kate Nelson. Uh, so I think that might be where he draws the line. Let's catch a break. When we get back, we're going to Mr. Stan Gravois of our Terrebonne General Thursday interview. It's play-by-play. Play. We'll be right back after this. Some people just have a knack for being there when you need them the most. Like your third grade classmate who sticks up for you against that bully. The neighbor who gives you a jump start. And the friend who chases away that flock of geese at your outdoor wedding. Your state farm agent has your back too, through good times and the not so good. And who's got your agents back? State Farm, the company people have trusted for more than 90 years. We're here to help life go right. Call State Farm agent Ashley Barrios and cut off today at 985-632-0988. Quality heart care is close to home at Thibodeau Regional Cardiology Clinic. Located in Thibodeau, Labadeeville, and Vacherie, our team of expert cardiologists uses the latest technology to detect, prevent, and treat heart conditions. If you have chest pain, shortness of breath, high blood pressure or cholesterol, or a family history of heart disease, your heart can't wait. Make an appointment. Team of experienced professionals who are committed to providing our customers with the highest quality of work. We use only the best materials and techniques. We always go that extra mile with Adams Waste Management by offering 14-yard and 20-yard dumpsters to properly dispose of construction debris. With Adams Waste Management, being local and providing competitive pricing helps keep our community a beautiful place to live. Always giving back to the community. Adams Waste Management, 985-696-6288. Welcome back to Play by Play. It is Thursday and it is 12.15 on the nose, which means it's time to go to our Terrebonne General Thursday interview with Mr. Stan Gravois. Stan, good afternoon. How are we doing, man? Hey, doing well and hope the same of y'all. Yep, we sure are, buddy. Uh, we got to lead off with some unfortunate stuff, man. Um, 
On the ride home Tuesday from Ruston, we kind of were hearing rumors and whispers that Vanderbilt was in some pretty deep water. And as the story developed that night, we learned that it was official. The team would not be competing in the top 28. Don't know exactly blow for blow what happened. Got a gist of what happened. And I know this, man, it's an extremely unfortunate situation. And you feel for those kids who work so hard. And by and large, pretty much all of them didn't do anything wrong, but they get penalized for it. Uh, Vanderbilt gets put out of the top 28 in what was a shocking news development in the last couple of days. Yeah, it's a really strange situation. And uh, I guess if you have a roster of, say, 15, I'm not exactly sure what their roster number is. There are 14 young ladies who, as you just stated, did nothing wrong. Uh, and a lot of people, and, and, that, and that's what's sort of going on the last couple of days, there's a lot of finger pointing, and it was this person's fault and that person's fault. I, you know, I just don't have any sort of idea what the model is at Vanderbilt related to how this works. I do know when I was coaching for years and years, uh, you had a situation where the coach had to go to the guidance office and get the grades of all of the kids and sort of do the math. I've seen or heard of schools where the guidance counselors do it. I've heard of schools where the athletic director does it. Uh, so it's, you know, it, I'm, I'm not sure where. Listen, and quite honestly, Whoever the student and the parents are, they have some responsibility. So I think there's enough responsibility to be shared that goes around. The one thing I can't understand, and maybe Brian can answer this being an athletic director, I always, you know, that January 4th date seemed to be around the date that all of the spring sports would find out if a person was eligible or ineligible, and your winter sports would either gain people or lose people. Yet we're sitting almost on March 1st, and this happens. The other thing I've seen happen is is when the playoffs start, or actually I should say right before the playoffs start in basketball or football or whatever the case may be, I've seen where there's some grade problems and the school has turned themselves in before the brackets were announced, and those teams forfeited just those games that that individual played in. In this case, they waited till there was a playoff game played already, and it's kind of strange because Vanderbilt possibly could have made it as a lower seed with just the games that the person who was ineligible played in were forfeited, if that makes any sense. And then you get in as a lower seed. Of course, I'd hate to have played them if <laughs> I was one of the upper seeds. But that being said, how, do, how does it go from January 4th to now almost being in March, and I've heard rumors that it's more than this, that there's some other things going on, and this was just something to uh, sort of pin it on, if that makes any sense. So, yeah, just not a good situation, and uh, I hope, I just hope that if somebody is going to be the scapegoat, thrown under the bus, whatever term you want to use, that it's the right thing and not the wrong thing along the way. Yeah, Stan, it just it doesn't make sense where they would check basketball grades the, the day before you play in a semifinal game uh, unless a compliance officer maybe came from the state and was checking uh, the, the folders and they found the error there or uh, they may have been checking grades for another spring sport and they rechecked the basketball player's grade and found it then, or uh, 
someone from the outside called yeah called them in on it. Well, well, I would say this: I've heard every one of those theories, and I've also heard the theories of, you know, when you're starting to point fingers. I've heard people say, you know, listen. They knew they were playing somebody who was ineligible, and then I've heard people say, no, it's a likely story that this may have happened, where kind of what you just said, Brian, somebody just recently came up and turned it in or whatever. The, the one thing that would lead you to maybe believe that is, who, however this played out, they were allowed to play one game, not allowed. They did play one playoff game. So if you're ineligible after that one playoff game, Obviously, you're out of the playoffs altogether. So the timing was a little suspect on all of the yep. stuff. But oh, it, yes. it's, it's just, it's just a, you know, what's funny about it, and, and Brian, I know you can attest to this, this is something we never saw with us in the Bayer region. We'd always be, like, the brackets would come out for football, the brackets would come out for basketball, for baseball, and you'd hear about Orleans Parish, man, and you'd hear about the north part of the state having a problem. It's something we never had, and that's, it kind of makes it weird for me, and I cer- certainly hope we're not getting in that day and age where we're in the news for what we do. You know, let it be Opelousa. Let it be somewhere else. I don't want it to be us. Yeah, no, I'm with you there, man. It was kind of a dark day for our local boys basketball teams Tuesday. Rustin defeats HL Bourgeois. Denham Springs defeats Terrebonne. Landry defeats E.D. White. The one that was a surprise to me is St. Michael going on the road and getting a win against Vanderbilt. Now, look, Brian and I had talked before that second-round game, and we had looked at some of St. Michael's schedule results and saw, hey, you know, a one-point loss against Walker and a 14-point win against Bruley. So, like, we knew they were a strong 12 seed, but to hear that they go on the road and pretty much trail all game and then just make a run at the end and, and win, that was surprising. That was a tough ending to the season for Leon and his team. Yeah, what a bad day for Vanderbilt, right? Because while everything else was going on, that was going on. And I do know there was a buzz around the school, but I don't imagine it had anything or any effect on the boys' basketball team. I think, you know, sort of what happened was is Vanderbilt had a 14-point lead in that game, and they were sort of cruising, and there was a lack of focus down the stretch, you know, and it just kind of got away from them. And you know, we always say in the first round of the playoffs, you may have a draw that leads to an easy win, but you're not going to have it in the second round. You don't see it too much in the second round. And as I'm saying this, I'm actually thinking of some of those basketball scores for the girls in the third round. But <laughs> usually, usually you don't have it in the second. That's when every, you know, you better show up to play. And even if you are the better team, if you don't, play well at given night, you can lose. There's not a whole lot of margin for error, and that's exactly what happened. And you knew doggone well that, you know, Sullivan coming in here was going to be good, that they weren't going to be bad. I, obviously, we all expected a Vanderbilt win, but they weren't going to be bad. And it still goes back. I mentioned it with some of the girls' games. I don't know what North Louisiana, with the Baton Rouge area, with New Orleans area has, and what kind of basketball they play on a given year. So obviously, you know, you guys were up there in Rustin. Rustin does something right. And uh, I would venture to say, too, that, you know, Sullivan and the Baton Rouge area plays good basketball, so you have to be kind of wary of them. I did see a little bit of the, you know, the broadcast and listen to you guys, you know, here on radio with Rustin. That, it, it, and just, you know, pardon my ignorance, 
is that Rustin's gym y'all were in? No. So I, we don't think that they have a gym on their campus, which is crazy because they have a huge campus. That was that was an auxiliary gym for Louisiana Tech that we were at, which is like okay. a, about a half a mile down the road. Okay, I just it, it, you could tell it wasn't Tech's arena, yet you could tell it was a little bit maybe more than what a high school gym was. And I was kind of wondering because I didn't catch the beginning of the broadcast, but uh, that explains a lot. Yeah, no doubt about that, man. Look, we've had uh, a baseball coach and a softball coach already on today. Mike Barber was on earlier to tell us about his start to the season. Coach Crowdis at Homer Christian joined us, and she said that she's super pleased with where her team sits. We got some heavy hitters, man. No pun intended. The the Gators are undefeated. CCA's playing well. You know, South Lafouche got some big wins. Ed White's finding it. Vanderbilt's finding it. And and then on the softball side, it's the same. We've got several teams that are off to some strong starts. Uh, we're not even near the stretch run there. We're still in the early stages, but a lot of those teams are showing, hey, we're going to be postseason bound. I think we're going to have a lot of teams in the playoff and softball brackets this year. Well, listen, first of all, kudos to you for getting Christy on, man. I, it, look, for, for folks out there who don't know Christy Crowder, she is one of the, she's one of my favorite people in the world, but she is so, so shy and so just humble and reserved. So kudos to that. And yeah, I'm happy that they're playing the way they're playing. And for people who don't know, Christy was one heck of a pitcher over at Nickel State University. Uh, all of that being said, uh, uh, I, I'm not sure if the little girl's in the eighth or ninth grade now, but that little girl, she's eighth got grade. pitching for Eighth grade, phenomenal, just phenomenal. And the whole team, even though she's got a couple of seniors this year that can provide leadership, she, you know, they got a team that's got kids coming back for a couple of years that are going to be pretty good. So, yes, I would agree with that. Uh, I saw where E.D. White played well against Vanderbilt, so that means D.D. White's going to be in that number in softball. And then in baseball, I went and watched uh, Mike and those guys play Ascension Catholic. Uh, it gave me the opportunity to go out and see our friend G. Cassard and his dad. And although Ascension Catholic is a, a little down this year, they're very young. They have one kid who's a stud who's going to UL Monroe. But the rest of the team is all like sophomores who look that they, they look the part of a sophomore too. Uh, Mike and them played well and just don't make mistakes. And I think that's what you sort of have in the area now. I I, I don't think we are in a in a day and age. I realize Tyler Weimer over at at Ed White is a sort of a next level pitcher, but I think now your defenses are so good behind your high school baseball teams in our area that they can go out and feel the ball and make plays and make tough plays and always give you a chance, especially if your offense is struggling early on. And that's exactly what I saw in South Terrebonne. E.D. White obviously is is probably better than what their record is right now. Vanderbilt Catholic has the Gidry kid. They're going to be good. I think everybody's playing good competition. Everybody's doing well. I don't even mention Joe because – you know, at CCA, we'll probably be talking about them at the end of the year and maybe making a run to Sulphur. So uh, it, it's fun. It's a good time, you know, for baseball in our area, and I don't think it's going away. You know, we, we mentioned softball and baseball in our area doing well. The big thing about baseball has been, and uh, some people may disagree with me, and I'm not a huge travel team proponent, but the fact is, is that travel baseball in our area has certainly helped the IQ of the kids playing ball. 
And that's exactly what's happening in softball. I know the young lady who we just mentioned who pitches for Homer Christian is a big summer uh, travel team uh, player and the, and the kids from the two pitches at Vanderbilt, same situation. So a lot of those coaches are imploring their kids to go play travel ball instead of trying to keep them away from it. Stan, you know, it, it's interesting because in the LHSAA, we have a split right now for most sports, not all, but most. And um, the public schools are always saying, well, the private schools have an unfair advantage and you know they're able to get kids from outside of their zone, which to us is like recruiting and, and the, the, all these allegations. Well, yesterday, a public school had to forfeit their state football championship for doing a lot of the same things. Um, the, apparently there were some issues with zoning and addresses and people saying they live one place, but living another place. And if I'm the private schools around the state right now, I'm saying to myself, Hey, you guys pulled us away from y'all because y'all said we do this kind of thing, but the public schools are doing it too. And we know that if Opelousas is doing it, that they're not the only ones in the state that are doing it too. That's why this is such a mess, bro, because there are bad apples in every barrel. That's it's crazy. Well, you just you, you, I couldn't have said it better. That everybody's doing something, you know. And uh, I have a very, very good friend who said this the other day, and it just rubbed me the wrong way. But I got to tell you, I think the LHSA is probably kind of listening to what his thing is, and they're going to just open their doors even more and and just kind of step back a little bit. And he said. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. And I'm thinking to myself, well, is that the kind of world I want to bring my grandkids up in, man? You know, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. And you almost have to to compete, I guess. I don't know. It's just this big, huge, double-edged sword. I, I, again, I had mentioned to you guys a little bit earlier that I was talking to folks over in the Texas area where my son lives. And they made the comment that the public schools are still dominant because their public schools are so good and everything. But when I did explain to them that we play together in, during the season but not the championships, they mentioned it is unfair for your private schools and your charter schools and your you know magnet schools to be doing that because the truth is, is that they do have a larger zone. I guess the key word in all of this or the key phrase is, are you recruiting to come to your school? And I guess it's if you have solid evidence that you went out and you recruited somebody to come to your school. Now, what that evidence is and how the LHSA would have the manpower to go out and screen that and find that out, I'll never know. Because I don't think they do. Obviously, I don't think they do. But I do think it's really tough. And, and listen, I'll pose this question to Brian. I, obviously, he's just gotten out of the realm of athletic director. I yesterday was talking to two athletic directors here in Terrebonne Parish, and they tell me the guy we used, to, you know, the guy when I was around coaching was Joe Kleinpeter, who would come out and check out all your paperwork and stuff. And Joe was very thorough, and Joe was very good. But but he kind of, I don't know, it sounded like there was a little bit of latitude. They're telling me the guy now, if you don't have your T's crossed or your I's dotted, you're going down related to paperwork. I don't know why that wouldn't lead to more people getting, you know, uh, suspensions and, and forfeitures and things like that. Well, the guy that comes through our, uh, the paperwork in the past, he would, uh, if he would find a violation, he would... Uh, 
give you a day or two to to get it corrected. If it's a little, like if you're missing a birth certificate or if you're missing a, a little paperwork, uh, we never had to worry about that because, of course, we had it all done. But uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I had to give that in there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if uh, and he would tell me some some horror stories uh, from other schools and other parishes where he they would have to spend all day. And there is one compliance officer that goes through every single folder on every single athlete. And he spends the entire day. Uh, most of them just give like a little percentage, 10, 15 percent uh, of a sport and check your, your files on that. But uh, for the most part, they, they would still work with you unless it's uh, if it's something major, then their hands are tied. Yeah, it's just it, it's a it's a tough situation for those guys to monitor it. So I'll give the LHSA a little bit of a break related to that. But even worse than that is is we're in a day and age where competition and competitive edge is so high, and these teams are going to do whatever it takes, and they think maybe this can slide by or that could slide by. And you know, I, most of our athletic directors in our area are just superb. But boy, you got I know some. And I'm not going to name any that when you talk to him for about 15 minutes, you walk away going, so that guy's got to handle the paperwork for that school. And you kind of <laughs> wonder how that all goes over. So that being said, you know, I guess it's always going to happen. And of course with the Vanderbilt situation and with us here and what happened with Opelousas this week, it's some, um, and then to think that Cecilia doesn't even get awarded with the state championship. Right. I mean, it's like, so nobody won a state championship this year. And that's pretty much how they go about their business. Yep, a vacant title in Division II non-select. Look, LSU and Nichols are both really good on the baseball diamond. LSU gets a big win over Rice yesterday. Nichols plays tough and kind of gasses out in the bottom of the 10th against South Alabama, loses in extra innings. Both teams are cruising. The Colonels are 8-2. and two. LSU's uh, like 8-1, and 9-1, and one, something like that. Um, I, I genuinely believe, and I know we talk about this every Thursday and every Saturday, I genuinely believe we're going to have both of those teams in the NCAA tournament. I think the Colonels are going to do it again, man. They've been so impressive to start the year. Not only are you going to have those two teams in a tournament, in my guesstimation, I think you might have them in the same tournament, and that's that's a bummer. I, you know, I wish Nichols would go somewhere else, but that would might be the likely place that they would go in at. I think Nichols is going to make it whether they win the tournament or not. I think when people are going to look back, it's going to be that good. Obviously, Southern Miss is good, who they beat just the other night. I do wish that they would not have played back-to-back. So they played in Biloxi against Southern Miss and then went on to Mobile to take on South Al. And that's, to me, that's just a little bit too much on the road, two nights in a row. Not that it's necessarily two nights in a row, that it's on the road, and now you got to come back with a three-game series. So, uh, yeah, but, but, but for the most part, played well. And I'm going to tell you, if LSU, and I, I don't expect it to be every night that you could do what they did last night hitting-wise, they just have so many guys in that lineup. I, I don't know where he's going to find the means to play all of these guys because they could LSU could play against LSU, and it would be one heck of a game. You know, I mean, they're that talented. And then to find the pitching they have right now, and to think, there are three, in my you know opinion, there are three pitchers out there that are really good for LSU, and Hurd's not one of them. Yeah. You know, and we we thought he was going to be one of them. 
so uh, yeah, a lot. It's just going to be really good baseball, and uh, it's fun. I, I would implore you. You know, you talked about basketball at Nichols, and it's certainly fun to watch Nichols basketball. But if you have the chance to go watch that baseball team, there's some kind of nice, calm, reserved confidence of that team that I've never seen in Thibodeau before. Look, man, and one of the key cogs right now in the early season, Devin DeSandro kind of moving out of that role as a starting pitcher and becoming that lockdown relief pitcher. He's already made four appearances this year in 12 and one-thirds innings, has allowed just six hits, just one run. His ERA is .73. Always great when a local boy is making it happen. DeSandro, EDY product off to a great start to the year. In addition to that, you got some local boys in the lineup, you know, Kadu and others. So they're doing it. But they're also doing it with the kids that, you know, are from here, which I think is really cool as well. Yep, agree with you. And uh, it is fun to watch Kadu. Kadu is a tough out every time he's at bat. He's been leading off, and he has been, you know, it's been a steady progression since his freshman year, and certainly that's what you want to see in all of the kids. DeSandro looks really good. I'm not sure who the pitching coach is for Nichols, but he probably gets overshadowed a little bit. Uh, because he is something. Uh, they do a terrific job on the mound. A guy that I'm, I kind of like have been vested in lately, and he's really done a good job, is Basil Williams, who's from Ponchatoula. And Basil has kind of bounced around a little bit. I think he actually started off at Mississippi State, or maybe a Jew code in Mississippi State than here. And he stuck it out at Nichols, and it's coming through for him. I saw them Friday night, and on Friday night, he hit about a 405-feet-foot bomb out there. So the guys who have really stuck to it in Thibodeau are the guys who are playing. It's not like Coach Silva went out and got a bunch of totally new guys whenever Coach Seth Thibodeau left. He stuck with some of these kids, and it's playing off. The Salta Formaggio kid say that three times quick he uh <laughs> he's doing a tremendous job for him so yeah a bunch of louisiana guys for sure no doubt look my friend we thank you so much for the time and uh look forward to maybe seeing you at the ballpark on saturday yeah hope that the weather holds out for those guys and i know it's you know it's huge fundraisers for a lot of those programs and i know that vanderbilt had that big fundraiser with the pet para tournament so i do hope that they get it in and i would love nothing better than to see you guys on Saturday morning. There you go. Have a great rest of the day, my friend. All right. You guys take care. Yep. There's Stan Gravois doing a good job, as always. Vanderbilt, I don't know if you saw this on social media. They did something that I think is really cool. They kind of mimicked LSU in that in right field. They put up an Intimidator sign. It has all the years that they won state championships, all the years that they were state runners-up. Looks really cool. It's a really cool addition to their ballpark. And, hey, if you've got the history of Having won seven, eight championships and been runner-up 10, 12 times, why not celebrate that? Uh, it's a new addition to their park, and I'm looking forward to seeing it in person. The picture I saw looked really nice. Kudos to them. They got their home tournament this weekend. Hopefully, weather allows them to get it all off uninterrupted. Kind of like a Barb. Kind of like when Barb. We went to Barb. Yep, except yeah, yep. you know the Vanderbilt people actually have good attitudes yeah, and are friendly, well, unlike the people with Barb. Well, that's another story. <laughs> that's another story for another day. Um, let's catch a break. When we get back, we'll get to the mailbag. It's play-by-play. We'll be right back after this. This is Henry LaFont, your current member of Lafouche Parish School Board. Please consider electing a person that cares about providing our kids an opportunity for a good education and at the same time electing a person that is fiscally responsible but our residents' tax dollars. 
Reminder, early voting is March 9th through the 16th, with Election Day on March 23rd. For continued dedicated public service for our community, please elect School Board Member District 7, Henry LaFont Jr., number 72, paid for by Henry LaFont Jr. Golden Motors has your next car, truck, or SUV waiting for you with big savings. Savings like 3.9% APR for 60 months on select models. Or take $10,000 off MSRP on a 2023 Chevy Silverado RST Z71. Yep, $10,000 off. Come in today to take advantage of big savings at Golden Motors. Price is priority. Chevy, together, let's drive. Your business deserves the highest quality internet connection and phone service. Rev Business offers you the best at a great price. Delivered on an all-fiber network and backed by our local support teams who have been going that extra mile for 85 years. Rev Business wants to show you the power of hosted phone service and Metro E, direct connections between your locations. For a limited time, get three months free. Some restrictions may apply. Visit us at letsrev.biz. Rev Business. Welcome to No Wake Outfitters, located in Metairie, just east of Causeway Boulevard. Your one-stop fly shop, kayak, and sportsman outfitters. You can check out our new kayak demos and our new pool and sea casting demonstrations. We have a new selection of functional and comfortable apparel from your favorite brands for the cooler weather. And our dedicated staff is here and ready to provide you with the knowledge to make an informed purchase. Come on in to check out some of our exclusive brands, such as Rugged Road, Turtle Box, Orvis, New Canoe, Old Town, and oh yeah, New Canoe 2022 kayaks are now 20% off. No Wake Outfitters, 1920. Airline Drive in Metairie. Absolute Fitness wants to welcome our community to come back and check us out. You'll discover an amazing environment and a friendly and welcoming staff at Absolute Fitness. We have a 12,000 square foot facility with all new top-of-the-line equipment, new saunas, an amazing smoothie bar, personal trainers, and much, much more. Absolute Fitness offers many types of very competitive memberships along with a dual membership with our proud partner, CrossFit Brackish. Absolute Fitness at 17092 West Main Street, Galliano. 3T Oil Change is an efficient quick loop service that offers oil changes for gas and diesel engines, brake tags, tire sales and services, engine and cabin air filters, bulb replacement and wiper blades with the convenience of a drive through No appointment necessary. 3T Oil Change on Main Street and Cutoff. Call 798-7401. Proud supporter of South LaFouche Sports. 3T Oil Chain says, Go Tarpons! Welcome back to Play by Play. One more segment to go. We've got 12 mailbag questions today. We thank everybody for loading up the mailbag. If you got a question for us, I'm JustClaireCasey at gmail.com. Casey underscore JustClaire on Twitter. We're at Kaylee Radio on Facebook. I'm also Casey JustClaire on Facebook. Find a way to get your questions to us. Um, the first question, I mean, I, I'm going to touch on this briefly, but we did a whole segment on this yesterday, and we talked a little bit about it today. The first question comes from a listener who wants to know, Casey, what are your thoughts on the Vanderbilt situation? Um, I did a whole segment on this yesterday. I think it's it's unfortunate. I think it's sad. I feel for Gabby Campbell, the team's lone senior. I feel for Michaela and McKenzie Charles and Journey Johnson and Stewart and all the great weapons that they have there on that team. All of those kids are eligible to play. All of those kids are able and willing to play tomorrow if they were asked to, but they didn't get the opportunity. On the flip side to that, I also understand that 
if there are rules, well, first off, there needs to be rules. And if not, it's going to be anarchy and chaos. And when a rule is broken, uh, whether it's intentional or not, um, yeah, there has to be some form of consequence. So if they did something wrong, I understand why they would not be allowed to play. It just it, it it's it's a very bad situation though because so many innocent people got caught caught in the crossfire, and I would just love to know the timeline of when this all happened because the only part of this to me that doesn't make sense is I don't think Vanderbilt self-reported themselves to the LHSA on their own doing 24 hours before playing a semifinal game. I think that this was something that probably was brought to them or brought to their attention by someone else, and they just got out ahead of it before they were forced out of the postseason. That's me speculating. I don't know that for sure, but it just feels like timing-wise, there's something there in the timeline that doesn't add up, and that's the part of it that I wish that we would get a little bit of clarity on that, that we don't know yet the answers to. Yep, I agree with you. I I, I don't think it was um, self-reported. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I, I really don't. But I mean, we don't. We still we don't know. We just I'm just speculating. Our next question comes from a listener who wants to know, Casey, can you tell us about South Lafourche High School's new defensive coordinator? Yeah, I can. I actually spent some time uh, chatting with him today. His name is Jeremy Wilson. Uh, he is going to be re- replacing Coach uh, Bryce Gidry, who took a job in the private sector. Coach Wilson told me today that he had five years of collegiate playing experience at Southeastern, eight years of coaching at Hammond High, LaRanger, and most recently at Independence. He says he's super excited to work with the Tarpons, loves the kid, love, or loves the kids, loves the environment. Uh, excited to see what he brings to the table, man. It's going to be B.J. Young's first outside hire. Uh, he just kind of inherited a staff and kind of kept things going. This is going to be his first outside hire. And um, from talking to him, you know, he says the right things. Now it's going to be a matter of can he relate to the kids. He's a younger guy. He's about BJ's age. Uh, He's going to bring a lot of energy. He's a big old boy now. He was a college offensive lineman. So we're looking at a dude who's like 6'4", 270. Like, this is a big dude. Uh, We'll be curious to see what he brings to the table. But I think he's going to do a good job. Yeah, and look, I, I'm not sure if his uh, family situation, if he's married or whatever, or if he's be moving down here or uh, whatever. But my point is I'm getting to is hopefully he can stay uh, several years. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I certainly hope so. Casey, what are your thoughts on Caitlin Clark breaking Pistol Pete Maravich's record in the coming days? I think that, A, it's ridiculous that we're comparing the two because, A, Clark had four seasons, Maravich had three. I think it's ridiculous that we're comparing the two because Caitlin Clark plays a different sport than Pete Maravich did. I think it's uh, women's basketball versus men's. I think it's ridiculous because uh, Caitlin Clark has a three-point line and Pete Pete Maravich didn't. I think, and God, I'm going to get so much hate for this because she's so beloved. I think Caitlin Clark is the most overrated player in college basketball. She's incredible. She's the best player in college basketball. But you see on social media, oh, she could play in the NBA. No, man. The way that they run their offense, she gets the stats that she gets because they run everything through her. She shoots 35, 40 times a game sometimes. And, oh, she's not a ball hawk. She gets eight or nine assists. Well, when you have the ball 100% of the time, you're going to get assists. I don't like that we're comparing the two. It's not apples to oranges. Pistol Peach record to me is still more impressive. I would agree with a lot of what you said, but not the point about the overrated part. Uh I don't know about the most overrated. 
She may be a little plain in the NBA. No, that's nonsense. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that's nonsense. The, the reason why I think she doesn't play defense at all, and that's that's the part to me that bothers them. Well, man, uh, she's she's scoring forty, but like she on defense is just standing there with her hands in her pocket by and large. She's not she's not a complete player. She's a scorer, and it bothers me because for years when Harden was doing the same thing in Houston, oh, that's a, that's the way a loser plays. But whenever it's a women, a woman playing college basketball is the greatest thing ever, and she's the best player in the hit. Come on, man, give me a break. And, and do not compare the two records because it's it's not it's not the same. It's not the it's same. It's not. I don't, I don't care who it is. He didn't have a three point line. They have one now. That's a difference. And he played playing one less year. Years, playing yeah. four years. Do not compare that. Those no. No, and it's Not just like last year when that guy for Detroit Mercy was trying to break Pete Maravich's record. He played like seven seasons. Yep. Like, what, what are we doing, man? Oh, I'm so glad he – but they tried. They tried. They tried to get an extra game when he laid an egg and the game before he didn't get the record. They wanted an extra game, so he could. I'm glad they – did not play that extra game, but do not compare these no, two it, it, records. It's, it's, it's not apples to apples. Which position group for LSU are you most concerned with as the Tigers start spring practices? Um, it's, it's got to be. I think offensive line is going to be good. I think quarterback is going to be good. Running backs, you still got a bunch of receivers. You got a bunch of nothing on offense. Secondary was dog poo last year, but you bring back everybody. Those kids should get better. Linebacker, you got a good deal of talent there. It's got to be the defensive line. Um, you were not very good on the defensive line last year. You had some guys. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You had some guys there who made very poor decisions and went to the NFL draft them they shouldn't have, including Mr. Homa from across the road. Can't even play at the college level. Wants to go to the NFL early. So you lose some guys there. It's got to be the defensive line. And I think that LSU is going to, after spring, when they reopen the transfer portal again, they're going to get some guys who, after spring, are going to enter the portal. they got to add some depth there. They're way too thin to go into the season with what they have. My biggest question, I'm going to go a little different, coaching. Yeah. Because they're bringing in, on paper, a great coaching staff. I just want to see if they can relate to the kids or the young men in, in the program. Uh, two, is it two new coordinators? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, they do have a new offensive well, coordinator. But there's, there's some guys that were there last year. But on the defensive side, yeah, whole new, all, all outside of the building guys. Yeah, so let's see how that's going to – if they'll jail. Yeah, I agree. I think that that is very fair. Uh, if Nichols doesn't make the NCAA tournament, can they possibly make the NIT? No. Uh, they've had a good season but not good enough to get into the NIT. Um now, I'll say this, it would be possible for McNeese to make the NIT if they lose in the conference tournament and don't get into the NCAAs because you remember now the NIT, every regular season conference champion gets an automatic bid, so they would automatically be in that. If Nichols wants to play in the CBI or one of those other smaller postseason tournaments, then maybe they could get included into something like that, but they wouldn't make the NIT, I don't think. I agree. Look, for Nichols – and you said it perfect. To have a, an NIT season, you have to have a McNeese State season. Yep, yep, I agree. Or, or win the regular season, which yep. is how they got in the last time. Who do you, This is hard. Who do you think is the best high school baseball team locally? My God, this is, this is difficult. South Terrebonne's undefeated. CCA is great. I'm going to go with Vanderbilt because I think that by the time Vanderbilt gets all their guys back from basketball – um, you're looking at a team that made the, the finals last year in Division II select and really didn't lose a whole lot. 
I think that they've taken some lumps early, but when they get whole, I'll go with the Terriers. They're battle-tested. They've got the most back off of a successful team. I think they're about ready to, to hit their stride once they get back to 100%. Right now, today, I would pick between South Terrebonne and CCA. Yeah, it's the hard win, to argue. And I think they're playing this week. Yeah. Oh, no. they, they they were supposed to. They moved the oh, game to, moved. to yeah. They moved the game to April. All right. So I I think uh, one of those two would be it. Yeah. They they've definitely had the the best starts to the year. I think that there's no question about that. Um, this one is one that I can't answer. Uh, but I'll 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 do my best. Will there be any additional penalties given to Vanderbilt girls basketball? We just, we just simply don't know. Um, we know that they're not in the postseason. Um. Do they get put on, at the very least, I would think they would get put on uh, some sort of athletic probation. Um, does Coach Coleman get some form of suspension? I don't know. Um, haven't heard that. But this is where it bothers me because we right now at Opelousas have their head football coach, Coach Zachary, who is going to be suspended for a year pending appeal. I know that through some sources out there. But when the LHSA doesn't send out penalty rulings to let you know, we, we just have to guess. Like, right now, we should know. This is what we found. Vanderbilt did this, this, and this. They turned themselves in. They self-reported. And then at the bottom, like they used to do, here's the list of penalties. Uh, you forfeit every game that the little girl played in this year. You lose your spot in the postseason. The school faces uh, one year of probation. Coaches suspended for 30 days, whatever. That we, we should be told all of this information, and we're not. And as a result of not being told, I don't know. I, I, I have no idea if there's any additional penalties that will be given to the program. Yeah, you can't answer it because we don't know the uh, entire situation. Did they know the girl was an eligible player? We don't know. Uh, I hope there's no more penalties. I think it's enough what happened because I think it was a, an honest mistake. And this is just me. I think it was an, a mistake that was made, an honest mistake. I don't think they were playing her knowing that she was ineligible. I just think it was a mistake that, that happened. And um, I, I think it's, it's, it's enough. At the absolute very least, though, I mean, they're going to probably get some form of probation, right? I, I would think. So, so what, do, what does that mean? Is it, is it like, okay, everything operates as normal, but you just better not screw up again for another year. So that's how it basically works? Yep. Okay. Yeah. I think yeah. At, at the very I, least. I would think at least uh, probation. Um, man, kind of hard to suspend a coach, huh? If he didn't – again, yeah, we I, don't know. <laughs> we don't know. If he didn't know that she was – you know, in eligible, it's kind of hard to uh, suspend them, but – I'll say this without giving any details. I know a little bit about Vanderbilt. I know a little bit about Opelousas. What Opelousas did is a thousand times worse yeah. than what Vanderbilt allegedly did. That's why their coach got a year. Don't expect we would see the same thing uh, with Vanderbilt. But then again, we we don't know. We're going to just have to learn uh, in the coming days based on what other people tell us. Can the Pelicans win an NBA championship with their current core? Nope, they cannot. And that's the reason why their current core should be broken up. It should have been broken up two trade deadlines ago should be broken up this offseason. Whether you got to move Brandon Ingram to get a better wing, whether you got to move Zion Williamson to get a better forward, whatever you got to do. You supposedly have these 1 million draft picks from the Lakers and the Bucks. Package that with some of your core guys to try to upgrade your roster because your current core right now cannot win an NBA championship. Draymond Green said it best during All-Star Weekend, and listen to me quoting Draymond Green of all people. 
said ain't nobody afraid in New Orleans. We know at the end of the day they're not ready, um, and they're not. They're, they're going to get in probably, but they're going to lose in the first round of the playoffs. And quite frankly, the front office with the Pelicans, are, they're not willing to win a championship right now because they didn't want to make the moves. Don't want to pay the tax. So yeah, they no, they can't win with what they have right now. This one is interesting. Um, who do you think is the best coach in college football right now with Nick Saban retired? Um, man, I would have said to be honest with you, I would have said Harbaugh, but he's not in the sport anymore. Um, I guess you got to go Kirby Smart. I mean, he's he's been rolling at Georgia. I, God, I hate to say that, but I really don't like their team at all. Uh, but it's got to be Kirby Smart. They've, they've been in contention the last three, four, five years. They've won multiple championships. Yeah, I, I, reluctantly, it's got to be him. I, it, if, Ten years ago, I would have maybe said Dabo Sweeney. They've fallen off of a cliff. Um, yeah, yeah I, th- I, think, I think Kirby Smart's the answer by default. Yeah, I would have never said Jimbo Fisher. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. Yeah, I, it's got to be Kirby Smart. Yeah, back in the day, Urban Meyer, but he's not in the game anymore. I certainly don't think Ryan Day at Ohio State is is very good. Um, he does okay, but I don't think he's the best in the sport. Yeah, it's got to be Kirby Smart. If James Harden went to the New Orleans Pelicans, would you then be a big Pelicans fan? Oh, great and would question. you buy you know the Pelicans hat and lanyard and all that good stuff? Yeah, I would. Um, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, dude. Like, dude, I tell you that you don't believe me, but it's the truth. I don't root against the Pelicans. I root against the Saints. I don't want the Saints to do well, but I do want the Pelicans to do well. If he became a Pelican, dude, I, I, I'll do you one better. I'd become a, I'd become a stinking season ticket holder. I would go to as many games as possible if he were to end up in New Orleans. I would probably get arrested for harassment and stalking, and but yeah, I would be a, I'd be with all, all aboard, no doubt. Good, uh, I. And I believe you. I, I, yeah. I think you're that big of a, a Harden fan. Yeah, of course. I, I mean, I, I hope that he doesn't go there because <laughs> yeah. because I don't think that it's a great situation. He, he's smart enough not to go yeah. there. Yeah, uh, but if he did, you know, of course, yeah, I would be a fan. All right, this is the, the age-old question. Um, this has nothing to do with sports, but I like that it was asked. Does pineapple belong on a pizza? Hell no, it does not belong on a pizza, man. No, the, the the ideal pizza is one of two things. It's either one meat with a crap ton of cheese on it, be it sausage, pepperoni, whatever, or it's like what we ate a couple days ago where it's Johnny a crap ton of meat on a pizza. That's the two. Or you could maybe get a little variety. I'd even, even be willing to put a little vegetables and some Supreme and everything in there. But I ain't putting no fruit on my pizza, bro. The pineapple does not belong on a pizza. And the people who say that they that it does are Karens. And I know if you are listening right now and you're saying, oh, I love pineapple on a pizza, I'm telling you right now, you are a Karen. I wouldn't put it on, but if it's on, I'm eating it. Yeah. It, does, it doesn't matter. But that's the thing. Yeah, I'm not a picky eater. Like, I wouldn't, like, be the dude that would be tearing through my slice of pizza to take the pieces off. But if I'm ordering Domino's or Pizza Hut or Johnny's or whatever like we went to the other day, I'm not saying, yeah, I would like uh, a large uh, pepperoni and Canadian bacon and also throw some pineapples on there. No, hell no. I ain't, I ain't making that order. No way. Uh, but, yeah, like you, I wouldn't, I wouldn't also be the person that would be picking it off with my fork 
because then that would make me a Karen, and I don't. I don't yes, want, it would. I don't, I don't want to be that. So yeah, absolutely. I it, it does not belong on a pizza, but I'm not going to take it off if it's already there. Last question, and then we wrap up today's show. And this one is going to be very difficult for me to answer because I've seen a bunch of them. Who is the best local track and field athlete that you have ever seen compete? <sighs> My colleague and business partner, Abby, was one of them. Sierra Lyons is incredible, um, or was incredible, shot put thrower. Rusty Bourne was, oh my God. I mean, I'll jump into Ron Matthew at the state meet. The Gabriel kid a couple years ago at Central Lafouche was incredible. Greg Robinson, former NFL player who unfortunately now is on the wrong path and has got a free living in Thibodeau, if you know what I'm saying. Um, he was one throwing the shot put. Um, but the one that I'm going to go with, and I hope that this gets back to him and I hope that he's listening. It's a guy that I saw when I was a student and was not um, covering it was Cody Filinich. Cody Filinich throwing the javelin was was a man amongst boys. Um, he's throwing in the 200s. Everybody else is throwing in the 130s and the 140s. Um, Cody has an amazing story in that he was trying to go. He ended up going to Northwestern State, um, and he was trying to go to the NCAA Nationals. He was a multi-time All-American there at Northwestern. Was was great. Knew going into the last NCAA regional meet that he had some injuries, and he took he tells the story very well. He said, hey, man, I knew I had one throw left in my body, and he just let it all go. And as he let it all go, his body just kind of fell apart. I think he threw out his shoulder or whatever, and it was like a 240-something foot throw that would have just been amazing, and he would have gone to nationals, and he would have been one of the top seeds. And he pelayed by about a centimeter and couldn't end up going. Um, but for me, it's got it. He was he was the most dominant. He could throw. He could show up at a meet, throw half strength, throw once, and win gold every time if he wanted to because he was 50, 60, 70 feet ahead of everybody else. For me, Cody Filinich is the answer. Now, for folks of your generation, my dad and all always tell me, hey, Vorney O'Quinn was was the goat, and he was throwing the javelin across the bayou and throwing. The javelin from Golden Meadow to Fushon, all these crazy stories that they tell. But for my generation, it was Cody Filinich. Well, when right away when you said the, uh, the question track first name Cody Filinich comes to mind. Yeah, he was special, man. Yeah. Greg Robinson was special. Sierra Abbey. We've had a bunch of good ones, but I got to go with Cody Filinich. Let's wrap up today's show. We want to thank Coach Mike Barber for the time. We want to thank Christy Crotus for the time, and also Stan Gravois. Tomorrow, we wrap up another week. Uh, we're going to try to get Damien on the line. Coach Chandler Guitros will join us. The Tarpons play a doubleheader this weekend. Oh, well, three games this weekend. A doubleheader, I believe, on Saturday. Maybe it might be on Friday, but either way, they got three games amongst Friday and Saturday. Uh, thank you to everyone who's been listening today. We'll be back tomorrow at the same time. You've been listening to Play by Play. God bless. You're listening to KLEB, 1600 AM and K274 DE. 102.7 FM Golden Meadow.